Well, it's the time in the service where we have story time. And when I think about story time, I think about little kids in school and having a little circle around and having story time. You can all stay in your seats for story time today. What we do here at Evergreen is a couple times a month, we have this segment where people can come and share a story, and it can be a meaningful, deep, spiritual story. It can be just a funny story about something that's happened to them. But it gives us an opportunity to connect with one another in a way that we wouldn't any other time. So this morning, Dan Brandon is our storyteller. Dan, come on up. And if you want to tell a story, and you have, and everybody has a story, by the way, we know that, um, let the church office know, and we will connect you with the um, two gals who um, coordinate our storytellers each week. So we encourage everybody to tell a story, but this morning, it's going to be Dan. Thank you. Good morning. Let me begin with a question. How do you find God's will for your life? I'll share a few lessons that I've learned as I reflect on my own story. My mother tells this part of my story. She was in her fourth pregnancy in four years. She was not happy. And while she was complaining about it, God spoke to her directly and said, I have special plans for this child. And she repented. And I arrived the next Christmas morning. My sister Carol, of five or six, one year older than me, had become a new Christian. She began working on me. I don't know what she told me. She may have warned me about hell or told me I was missing out on heaven without Jesus, but I came crying to my mother. My mother explained the gospel to me in terms that a four or five-year-old could understand. We knelt beside the bed, and she prayed with me to ask Jesus to forgive my sins and be my Savior. I was born for the second time. Lesson one, listen to your mother, and maybe your older sister. As a third grader in a little dairy farm community in northeast Indiana, population 2,000, my dad was the pastor of the Community Gospel Center. My parents gathered us around the breakfast table one morning and told my brother and sister and I that God was calling them, us, to be missionaries. They told us not to tell anyone. The next day, the volunteer associate pastor said to my dad, so I hear you're going to be missionaries. His son and my older brother were best friends. Mrs. Kroger, the church skeptic, declared confidently, they'll never make it. But one year later, our family of five boarded the steamship, the Frederick Likes, in Brownsville, Texas, and sailed to Japan. It took us about one month to get there, to Yokohama. I remember my MK friend's parents calling him in and his siblings for a family meeting. They'd been fighting with the Japanese kids in the neighborhood. His parents said to them, look, we're a missionary team. If you guys can't get along with the neighborhood kids, we might as well just pack up and go home. Lesson two, when God calls the parents to the mission field, that includes the kids too. We were a missionary team. When I was 15 years old, Tokyo was hosting the Asian Games. Somehow my dad got a hold of a press pass 
so we got in free to many of the events. It was so exciting for me to meet the track and field athletes from all over the world. We couldn't go to the closing ceremonies, so I listened to the radio broadcast. At the conclusion of the ceremonies, they sang two songs, Auld Lang Syne and God Be With You Till We Meet Again. And as I listened to that crowd of 80,000 people singing, Till We Meet, Till We Meet at Jesus' Feet, I cried. I remember wondering, how will all these athletes from the nations ever meet at Jesus' feet? Lesson three, God can begin to shape in a teenager's heart, emotionally, a call to cross-cultural ministry. Fast forward to the middle of my sophomore year at Westmont College in California. I was supposed to declare my major. Well, I had no idea, so I chose sociology. Why? Because Cheryl, the sophomore girl I had a crush on, was a sociology major. If you don't know what crush means, ask your grandparents. Lesson four, don't panic. Even when we make silly decisions, that doesn't mean we're sidetracked on God's will for the rest of our lives. Actually, sociology turned out to be a good major as a background for future ministry. And my favorite, uh, favorite sociology professor, Art Nelson, has been a friend and prayer and financial supporter of our international student ministry for many years. While I was in seminary, I spent summers in Japan helping my parents in their camping ministry with Japanese university students. God used those summer missions experiences to deepen a call to cross-cultural ministry. Some of those campers from the 60s and 70s are still my friends today. Lesson five, short-term missions experiences can help shape a future calling. While serving as a pastor of Bethany Congregational Church in Santa Barbara, I met Carolyn. We got married and moved to Seattle, still aiming for overseas missions. I was teaching English at Seattle University to international students, Saudis, Iranians, Chinese, Brazilians, Japanese, Iraqis, and Mexicans were in my classes. I went home for lunch one day and found a letter in my mailbox from the president of International Students Incorporated, ISI. In this letter he said, I heard that you are considering an overseas missionary career. Have you ever considered the mission field in your own city? I realized our foreign mission field had already come to Seattle. We joined ISI and have been doing ministry with international students now for 40 years. Lesson number six, sometimes God's will is right under your nose. So how would I describe our calling? I like this uh, quote from Samuel Adams. If you find a job you like, you'll never have to work another day in your life. Well, that's just the first 75 years of my story. Stay tuned. This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Proverbs. Please follow along in your Bibles or use the screens. I'll be reading selected verses from chapter 14 of Proverbs in the New International Version. Reading from Proverbs 
chapter 14. The house of the wicked will be destroyed, but the tent of the upright will flourish. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin condemns any people. The word of the Lord. Children, kindergarten through fifth grade are dismissed now for Sunday school. And thank you to teacher Sid and teacher Sam for being with our kids this morning. And also thank you to Dan for sharing your story with us and those life lessons. We appreciate it. You may see the flowers that are around our sanctuary and in the lobby. Yesterday we had a memorial service here at church and we get to benefit from the beauty of the flowers that were um, here for that. Do you ever feel like the same theme comes up in your life over and over again? Perhaps it's a bad habit that you can't seem to shake and wherever you turn, you are reminded of it. Or you have that reoccurring argument with someone that you love over the same issue be it a spouse, a parent, or a sibling. Perhaps it is in your school or job performance. There seems to be a consistent area where you continue to come up short. I've been in pastoral ministry for over a decade now, and I can say, by and large, the number one reoccurring theme that comes up in pastoral care, preaching and teaching, is the Christian's call to action. Whether it be my own conviction of spiritual malaise or seeing it in the congregations in which I have served, many of us are Christian couch potatoes. We come in on a Sunday morning, we do our part to stand for the singing. We limit ourselves to checking our phone only three or four times during the sermon. And during the last song, we stand and we think about all the things we need to do today to prepare ourselves for the week ahead. And then we dash out of here before those vultures in the lobby catch us and try to get us to be more invested in this place. And I want you to know, this morning I am not pointing the finger at you. For I can say all of these things because I have done all of these things. I preached this morning not from a place of piety, but of a place of where I walk amongst you. I know the challenge that it is to be called a Christian and what we are called to do. What benefits do I gain or the world from me claiming to be a Christian, but living my life in opposition to the word? This morning is about putting my actions, my words into action. My husband, Ben, and I returned to the Pacific Northwest in 2015. Ben grew up in this church and wanted to return to worship here when we moved back. 
I can vividly remember that first Sunday in the fall when Free Wheelchair Mission was first promoted. This is a ministry that our church supports, as Ron talked about earlier. It is a ministry that provides wheelchairs to people all over the world who would otherwise not be able to afford one. By the end of this promo video, I was sobbing in my seat, watching people who were once bound to their homes, unable to experience life beyond those walls, and then seeing their faces as they experienced the gift of mobility. Ben and I were both in between employment at the time, and I had just found out that I was pregnant, but that did not stop me from buying a wheelchair that day. I personally know the toll it takes on a life when mobility is an issue. My grandfather contracted polio when he was eight years old. He was told he would never walk again. But thanks to a young doctor who decided to go against the prevailing medical wisdom of the time that people with polio should just rest, he told my grandfather to swim across Bitter Lake every day from April to October. This enabled my grandfather to build enough muscle in his leg that was affected with polio that he could walk. He had a significant limp to his gait and his right foot was noticeably smaller than his left, but he could walk. The downside was he could not walk a great distance without experiencing fatigue. This became an issue when he entered his freshman year at the University of Washington. His second class of the day was across campus and he was not able to walk that far in order to make it to his class on time. In those days, his only option was to drop out. This dashed his dreams of being a veterinarian and dismissed him from one of his greatest joys in life, that of learning. Growing up, my grandpa had many colorful coin sayings, one of them being college-educated idiots, which is what he often called his own children, even though he insisted that each of his six children would go to college and that he would foot the bill. Higher education was a gift my grandpa never got to receive because of his issue with mobility, but he ensured that all of his children would be given this priceless gift. Our scripture passage this morning gets right to the heart of the matter. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. All hard work being, brings profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. I learned recently that Free Wheelchair Mission came into existence because of Don Schondorfer. Don is a biomechanical engineer with his PhD from MIT. Free Wheelchair Mission came into focus for Don when he and his wife were on a vacation in Morocco and they witnessed a woman crawling her way across a bustling road. Our scripture passage today calls us out. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk only leads to poverty. Imagine if Don came home from his vacation and told of the sad tale of seeing a woman crawling her way across a busy road. 
His mere talk would do nothing for this world. But because Don allowed this woman's story to affect him, he chose, her, he chose to love her enough that he could not allow this to be her existence or that of others. He used the gifts that God had given him and created a low-cost wheelchair that would enable people like her to be lifted off the ground. His hard work brings about profit for the least of these in our world. These words of wisdom from Proverbs we read today tell us that it is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. I listen to a lot of talk radio. This began shortly after I had my first child and craved adult conversation from being home with her all day. The talk radio I listen to the most is news. I am an NPR and Cairo radio junkie. And I found that the topic of homelessness and drug abuse comes up a lot. It's interesting to hear how people talk about these individuals experiencing homelessness or ensnared in a lifestyle of drugs. Often the descriptions of these people are what a drain they are on society. How can we rid our streets and parks of them? And we speak of them as if they are not human at all. We despise this neighbor of ours. And usually we are people of mere talk. We tell the tale of someone we saw along the road, either in a tent or with a sign. And on the very rare occasion, do we do anything to help them? But this is not what God wants for God's followers. The term Christian literally means little Christ. <coughs> Christ's life is not marked by only words, but with action. Christ was not only kind to the needy, but he laid down his life for them. He never thought of himself as better than, and their needs solicited action on the part of Christ. He sat with the mourners, listened to the cries of the broken, and ate with the outcast. His life wasn't about amassing wealth or goods or status. His vision for his life was greater. It was to provide a better life for others. But this was not just the mission of Jesus. He wanted us to pick up the mantle when he left. Our scripture tells us there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Often the world tells us that the good life is to be self-sufficient, enjoy all the luxuries of this world, and live unto ourselves. This is not God's way, and this is not the way that leads to life. Tragically, it leads us further and further away from Christ's mission and call upon our lives. I have two things in this world that I covet more than anything else, and I am often tempted to believe that they will bring me a richer and fuller life. A house and a minivan. Now the former is understandable to most and the latter is understandable to the wise. 
But this week I have been convicted that once I gain these things, (coughs) excuse me, I will then find myself wanting more. I will want a bigger house or eventually the newer minivan with the vacuum in it. If I cannot be content with the riches I possess now, I will, be, I will continue to be blind to the abundance in my life. For today, I woke up with a roof over my head, electricity and running water. I walked without the assistance of AIDS. I had a food in my fridge and in my pantry. I had clean clothes to put on and a vehicle that brought me here today. These gifts alone put me in the top 10% of the wealthiest in the world. Today, I don't want to be about mere words. I want to be about action. Since 2015, Free Wheelchair Mission has stirred in my heart. I have bought wheelchairs throughout that time and even asked for them as presents, but I can do more. From now on, I will commit to walking or running two miles every day and praying for this ministry. I will commit to thanking God for my own mobility, enjoying it, and not taking it for granted. And I will pray during this time that God will transform my heart to care for the needy in my midst, to love them and desire a good life, not only for myself, but for my neighbor as well. During this holy time, I will reflect on my call to action, to physically be moving my body and looking for ways I can do more. So my first initiative is to organize a walk run this spring that our church can host to raise money and awareness for free wheelchair mission. We can use our mobility to provide mobility to others. I reached out to Ron Johnson, our church contact for Free Wheelchair Mission, and we got the ball rolling this week. Christ has enabled me to do more than just write a check. You all have passions. You all have stories that have shaped your life. And you all have the ability to do good work, to see God's dream of a world where we look out for one another where we share the abundance, and we work to make love flourish. We just need to get off our spiritual couch and get to work. Whether you are five or 100 years old, you have good work to do. You can be inspired. You can join and lead a small group. You can use your musical talents to play on our worship team. You can partner with the care team and bring meals to those in need. You could do the most godly work of all and come and be one of my volunteers. But you truly can make a difference in this world. There are some of you who walk by somebody who is homeless. You see them every day. You can take the opportunity to leave your house five or ten minutes earlier and drop them a meal once a week. Learn their name and have a conversation with them. God can inspire you to do things to radically change this world even if it is just for one person. You can pray for the things in this world that make your heart ache and then ask God, how can you use me? 
we have to start believing that the good news is not just that we go to heaven, that today we can taste and see that the Lord is good and we can give that taste to other people. It is that we can start using the resources that we have in abundance to do some good in people's lives that have nothing. No child wakes up and tells her mom or dad, I hope to be homeless or addicted to drugs one day. Those people have a very sad tale that got them into that life. We need to start with compassion first and judgment last. We need to start putting our words into action and show this world that a small Christ, a Christian, is not about telling them how wrong they have been or how much they have sinned, but that we are the healers, the lovers, and the peacemakers. We are moved to action when we hear that our neighbor is in need, and we live like people who know their God is alive and well. Together, let's be a church that changes the world through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is time for us to be more than words. Let us pray. Christ, you came into our world and you sought to make it a better place than how you found it. You have called, empowered, and equipped us as your followers to do the same. Embolden us by the power of your Holy Spirit to live into the call upon our lives to use our gifts and talents and resources to bring about your kingdom. Help us see beyond ourselves, see the opportunity that is right before us. May we be people who preach your good news by how we live our lives, how we spend our money and use our time. Free us from the excuse of busyness, work, and uncertainty of where to begin. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and able bodies to do your good work for the sake of your kingdom. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.